Not when you have a horse like Trigger. He was one of the greatest horses that ever walked, and I, I uh, really appreciate him. He did all of my TV series and all of the uh, pictures I made for uh, uh, theater. Three, two, one, zero. Hey, you! Yeah, you! Come here for a minute! I want to talk to you! Against the wall. Can't find peace of mind, brain needs an overhaul. Views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice. Take 12 Radio is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, The Man, The Myth, The Legend, The Monty Man. Hello. Welcome to another fine episode of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, broadcasting to you from the studios of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Dave Fleming is up. He is sitting in Tony's chair right now. You pass that brown and serve? <laughs> we'll talk about that. Uh, Tony isn't with us this week, but Marv's here. Howdy. How's it going? Dave's here and hey. Denver. <laughs> Hi, Tony. <laughs> Tony, oh. Tony moved to Independence, um, which is, what, about 30 minutes? A long way. 30 minutes away? It's long pretty, ways pretty away. Pretty patriotic there. Independence. Yeah, it could have been. Independence. Yes. Anyway, she moved to Independence. Um, she's still on the show, but just not today. Be- yeah. Because she's getting her innards fixed on her car. There you go. <laughs> she's getting that's her. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like Arby's commercial right there. That's right. <laughs> what? I don't get that Arby's commercial at all. What commercial? What is Arby's that? commercial? The one where they have the meat for sandwiches. What? We have the beef. No, they say we have the meat for sandwiches. All right. <laughs> so hey, we've answered the clear- question. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up, Arby's. We've answered the question. <laughs> where's the beef? Yeah, it's at Arby's. Arby's. We have the meat. Sandwiches. Hi, Marv. Hi. How you doing? Good. Uh, well, yeah. good. I'm. I'm glad. And uh, mm. so, so this week's topic is uh, triggers. Not to be confused with trigger the horse from the uh, little sound clip with Roy Rogers. There, I guess Trigger was 33 years old when he passed. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Roy Rogers. Uh, they were extremely close. They just weren't movie buddies. They were. Buddy buddies. Anyway, I watched the whole video of him talking about Trigger. It was pretty, pretty impressive. Pretty cool stuff. We're going to be talking about Triggers, though, today. Uh, fact or fiction. There's lots of opinions within the recovery community on whether Triggers are actually a real thing. Are they an excuse? Are they a red flag? Are they a warning sign? Do they exist? What does the brain say when it comes to Triggers? We're going to be talking all about that. And by the way, I heard, Dave, have you heard this? Um, they're actually trying to do away with the word triggers and they're replacing it with the word activate. Have you heard about that? <laughs> because no, evidently, evidently, um, the you word trigger. somebody, right? Well, the word trigger seems to be triggering people. <laughs> So now some of the professionals – so I had somebody comment on this, so I, I looked into it, and it's true. Um, Who, who's they? 
the um, <laughs> SAMHSA. You, you say they, that they're trying to change it. SAMHSA wants people to try to to ease into referring to it other with other wording other than triggers, and activate is one of them. So does it activate you when you go down that particular street? It doesn't even roll off the tongue. Activate. I don't know if it'll, it's going to catch on. It, I don't know either. We've been so conditioned for all these years. I know. Anyway, we're going to be talking about that. I want to give a special uh, shout out to Patrick LeBeau and Roger McDermott. Yay. Uh, two of our major, major sponsors. Uh, we have uh, a new mic, uh, my new mic, and then we have... One, two, three, four brand new mic booms in the studio. Uh, and uh, if it wasn't for the Boom. generosity of our sponsors, and Boom. by the way, the good news, besides that, uh, and because of uh, several others who uh, have contributed, and uh, Roger and Patrick, we've made all our bills once oh, again. Excellent. Thank yeah, you. We've been able to pay all our bills uh, up once again, and good, good thing. Um, because we don't, nobody here makes any money. We just keep paying bills for the key, to keep us on the air. And if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be able to do that. So I just want to say uh, a hearty thank you to each and every one of you that has contributed. I lost my mouse. Oh, there's my mouse. All right. Any who's it. Uh-oh. Stop right there. It's time for the Monty Man's Weekly Watch. Complain and whine, you're the Monty Man. There's always something to whine about Because each week we drive us insane That's right, everybody That's right It's that time again for Monty Man's Weekly Wine <laughs> And that, for Tony's sake, is the farm baby She referred to it as the farm baby Because now she lives on a farm Tony had a wine she wanted me to share. You know how she doesn't like bugs? She hates bugs and flying little critters and things like that. Let me give you a little fun fact when we're done here. Well, now she's out on a farm uh -oh. in Independence where the bugs are three times the size. And there's thousands more of them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> What's your fun fact? Uh, I don't have the exact statistics, but I read it where there's uh, enough spiders tonnage-wise that oh. if they were... Did you read that? No. All right. I don't, I hate there, spiders. Yeah, well, there's enough of them on Earth that if they all grouped together that within a week they would eat mankind. That's lovely. So just remember that, that is when lovely. they're dangling above your head, that if they all collectively come together, if they get tired of or the chemtrails hit or something heavy, uh, they could take over the world. Uh, I mean, I have a hard enough time when they hatch, and then they come, like this last year, they came inside on the inside of the door out here, at, here at the studio. Thousands of little tiny, really, really tiny when they're little. The kind you breathe. Yeah, and they were just covering the base of the door. So I swept them up with my sharp, I'm sure sharp they were vacuum cleaner. And now they're climbing out of the vacuum. Yeah, yeah, yeah you transported them into the house. <laughs> no, we dumped them. them. We dumped them. Oh, yeesh. Okay, so. Are you sure you got them all? <laughs> so here's, here's, my, uh, here's my wine. It's a very personal wine. Canker Sores. Anybody here ever have a problem with canker All sores? Right. Maybe you ought to go to the doctor. Oh, my that. gosh. So um, I was having swelling in my legs. So the doctor put sores. me on Lasix, which is Bruce used to have to take this yeah. all the time, right? Yeah. It's yeah. to get rid of the water, water in your system. One of the rare side effects is canker sores. It's very rare, but I got one right on the main vein underneath my tongue, and it was about... A quarter of an inch in size, that's big. And it made me sicker than a dog, and I'm whining about it because it's still there. It, <laughs> it isn't as painful. <laughs> Them old salty sausages didn't slide no. down so easy, did they? <laughs> no. Wow. 
But the swelling <laughs> in my leg has gone down because I stopped eating eight eight brown and served sausages in the morning and eight brown and served oh, sausages at night. Oh, Lord. And the sodium content in my body went down. Imagine that. Wow. <laughs> There's a win and a, and a wine all together. I don't like canker sores. That's my wine. Anybody got anything to whine about? Human race. Human race. <laughs> wow. Wine? Anybody want to whine? No? Marv, no whiny? No, I'm good. Are I'm you good? good. Yeah, Dave, no whiny, whiny today? No, I'm thankful. Okay. Well, good. Well, I have a win. Marsha and I went to see the movie with, uh, I'm going to slaughter his name here, Amesh Patel and Ed Sharon. Uh, the movie Yesterday about a, a musician that he was okay, I guess, kind of a folk musician. Um, some phenomenon happened worldwide. All the lights went out on the planet. He got into an automobile accident, and when he woke up, um, everything was the same except the Beatles never existed other than their music that only he knew. And he discovered, as he was playing Beatles songs, that people thought he wrote them. Because nobody, the Beatles never existed, except for in his head. So he became this incredible musician and became famous. Um, but then, you know, as scruples were, they kind of got to him and he had to cop to what he was doing. A really, really well done movie. Very family friendly. Um, Ed Sheeran, if you know who he is, the redheaded, geeky looking musician from... He's from Australia or Britain or something like that. He he played a main ro main role in it. And how much Patel? It, I think he's the brother of the guy that was in um, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Really good movie. If you have an opportunity to go see Yesterday, you really need to do that. The music is phenomenal. So that was my that was my win. There you go. Been to the movies lately, Denver? No, <laughs> Dave? No, Marv? No. All right. So <laughs> not since Arizona. Yeah, what did we go I see? I just wait till they come out and I watch them on TV. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, Marsha and I have this new lease on life. We're trying to go to see a movie at, at least once or twice a month just as a date night. And it's nice. And we usually go, go over to Corvallis where it's a little cheaper. There's more popcorn in the bag. <laughs> and still, the movie I always want to see is at the very far end of the theater. They don't exercise. have wheelchairs for people like you? called exercise. <laughs> nope, I try not to do that as much as I possibly can. I try to keep mobile. Eh, anyway, there you go. All right, so uh, we're going to take a little break um, and hear from Lifeline Connections, and then we're going to come back and play a little Take 12 trivia before we get to the topic. Don't go away. Oh, boy. Lifeline Connections made a difference in my life. I am free. I am strong and empowered. Lifeline Connections changed our lives. To begin your journey of healing today, call 360-397-8246 or visit lifelineconnections.org. Hey, it's the Monty Man with a question for you. Why not take us on the go? You can download our app for iOS or Android by simply visiting us at take12radio.com and click on Follow Me on Podomatic. And if you're really old school, check us out on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash M-O-N-T-Y-M-E-Y-E-R. <laughs> All right, a little Take 12 trivia coming up right now as we wait for the queue. Three, two... One, and bam. All right, everybody, it's time for Take 12 Trivia. Brought to you by that award-winning recovery magazine, the 12-Step Gazette. Visit their website at 12stepgazette.com. Now take it away, the Monty Man. All righty, thank you, Cecil. A little Take 12 Trivia, fish trivia. little fish trivia. Which fish? I don't know. Sounds fishy to me. <laughs> <laughs> so if you get it right, you get uh, Denver's cowbell. If you get it wrong, that's what you get. All right. 
Do we get a ribbon for participation? A ribbon for everybody gets a participation. Yeah, everybody ribbon. wins. Everybody wins, even the losers. <laughs> Uh yeah okay so this is totally useless uh, really <laughs> not uh, not meaning to be useful in any way shape or form uh, except Thank for <laughs> maybe something that you can uh, play with your friends later on in the day who knows <laughs> or not <laughs> or not <laughs> number one approximately how many species of fish are there worldwide here's your choices nine thousand twenty seven thousand or fifty six thousand what do you think Marv fifty six what do you think Dave I'll go with Mar fifty six. All right, will you? Denver? It's a big, big C. I go large too. All right, you're all wrong. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Twenty seven thousand actually. B. All right, uh, number two. What species? <laughs> like, all right, thanks, man. It's, it's like who cares? <laughs> Let me look it up. I Hang mean, on. This is probably I Google this. This is probably the most who gives a rip <laughs> yeah, trivia really. that we've ever done. Uh, what species of fish produces the most eggs? Ocean sunfish, squirrel fish, or salmon? <laughs> squirrel! <laughs> squirrel! Squirrel! No, sunfish. Seriously, take that serious ser- uh, sunfish. Sunfish? What yeah. do you think there, Dave? Um, salmon. Okay, Marv? I was thinking salmon. Were you? All right, Dave and Marv are incorrect. You are correct there, yeah. uh, Mr. Uh, telling you. I, had to give I you know my s- fish trivia. <laughs> we had to give you something. Ocean sunfish, yeah. 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 How many eggs? Uh, 30 million. Yeah. Yeah, See, 30 million. 30 that's million. a lot of eggs. That's for a lot of Swimming eggs. in the ocean. Keep per your mouth what? closed. Per, per session? Per, per, per year? Per, hatching. per lifetime? No, no, every time per spawning. she hatches. Boom. Yeah, Boom. 30 million eggs. Wow, that's crazy. Whee! Um, okay. What are there so many uh, sunfish? <laughs> Uh, number three, how many different varieties of goldfish are there? 20, 50, or 100? Onion? Onion? Or 100, Marv? Uh, conservative. I'm going to go 20. Are you? Okay, Dave? Well, let's, let's 20, 50, or 100? Species of goldfish. 50? Dave is going to be correct with 50. Okay, what do you say there? 50. Why would I pick the wrong answer, Monty? Okay, you're all wrong. All right. <laughs> it's 100. Really? Did you say 100? No, I, oh. I said 20. You said 20. Okay. All right. Uh, what is the fastest fish? Is it a swordfish, a racing shark, or a sailfish? Dave? Jack- Jackalope. Jackalope. <laughs> the wrong species. <laughs> fastest fish. Swordfish, racing shark, or sailfish? What do you think, Dave? Well, I picked the obvious one, but... Swordfish. <laughs> yeah, don't go with the obvious. It's wrong. Marv, what do you think? What What are they again? Swordfish, racing shark, or sailfish? Sailfish. Okay. What do you think? They're Denver. Oh, man. I don't care. Come but on. I'm going to go with sailfish. Okay. You guys would be right. They would be incorrect. <laughs> All right. We'll do one more. How fast? It's pretty fishy. All right. In the movie, find You don't even know, do you? What? This is worthless. No, I don't know. How fast is I don't. I didn't write. I did write down the egg amount because, but I thought that was pretty amazing. Uh, in the movie Finding Nemo, what kind of fish is Nemo? Is he a guppy? Is he a marlin? Or is he a clownfish? Come on, clownfish. Denver. He's a, he's a guppy. Marv. Uh, clownfish. Clownfish is correct. He's uh. not a guppy. Well, I don't watch movies. It's too far down the aisle to get for me to get there. The last fish movie you watched was Mr. Limpid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Doss Limpid. <laughs> Don Knotts. That was awesome. That, gee, yeah. that was a great flick. I'm sorry. I missed that. Uh, it's uh, it's falls, available. He falls, into the, he falls into the water, and he turns into a fish. Oh, wow. <laughs> Don uh, Knotts his, turns into his a fish. His life is... His life sucks. If I needed yeah. a trigger, that or would be Or he thinks it. his life sucks. So he makes a wish or something yeah. like that, and then he becomes this fish with spectacles on. All right. Yeah, yeah. and then he saves the world by working for the Navy or yeah. something. Right. right. This was made a long time ago, huh? Yes. So you know the graphics are good. Oh, horrible. <laughs> so so the animated fish is, is in the water, but the graphics surrounding it, you know, the, the outline... Yeah, it's really know, horrible. You know it. Yeah. But it's a great flick. It's a fish on a stick. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll give you one more. What is oh. the most poisonous fish on the planet? 
Is it a needlefish, a snailfish, or a pufferfish? Oh, I like puffers. I like puffers. What do you think, Marv? Puff, puff, puff. Puffer. Puffer, you guys are correct. It oh, is a puffer. Yeah, we all get a bell now. Yeah, but if cooked properly, you won't die. Huh. <laughs> yeah, you take that chance. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you do. All right, that does it for useless Take 12 trivia. Where's the recovery in that? I have no, no we've just started idea. It. Oh, boy. Okay, so uh, triggers, fact or fiction. Um, so here's a little, uh, where'd he go? Here it is. Um, here's a little sound clip. Um, I'm losing my paperwork. There it is. Here it is. Uh, Allison Walsh from the Advanced Recovery Systems. Uh, let's hear what Allison has to say about triggers. Triggers can be anything from seeing or experiencing a situation that they have in the past uh, to um, being in a stressful situation. There's a wide range of triggers. And for somebody that's struggling with addiction, a lot of the work that's done in treatment is identifying what those are. You know, is it stress? Is it a coping mechanism? Are you dealing with uh, complicated grief, anxiety, depression? And are those things exacerbated when you're put in certain situations? Identifying what those are and making sure that if you are triggered, that you know how to cope with it is important. So oftentimes we'll hear somebody say, I was put back in a really stressful situation at work or I lost a loved one and I am feeling, you know, incredibly out of control. I have cravings to use. First thing we say is go back to one of your groups, (laughs) go to a group, go to your therapist, talk to us, let us see before it starts to spiral again. So again, we always refer to it as putting your tools in your toolbox and making sure you know what to do should you be presented with those uh, circumstances or situations again in the future. So you can't help life. Life happens. It's stressful. It's hard. But knowing how to cope with it in a healthy way is what we teach our patients to do. That's uh, Allison Walsh from Advanced Recovery System. Um, so she makes an interesting point. Life is Life is hard. Right. It's hard for everybody, you know, and uh, I I wanted to to read a couple of things that it it seems kind of hopeless when you look at this without really researching it or, or, you know, checking it out for yourself and your own recovery and some of the tools you can use. But triggers are social, environmental or emotional situations that remind people in recovery of their past drug or alcohol use. These cues bring about urges that may lead to a relapse. While triggers do not force a person to use drugs, they increase the likelihood of drug use. The National Institute on Drug Abuse reports that 40 to 60% of people treated for substance use disorder relapse. Long-term drug uh, use creates an association in the brain between daily routines and drug experiences. Individuals may suffer from uncontrollable drug or alcohol cravings when exposed to certain cues, the cravings act as a reflex to external or internal triggers. And this response can even affect individuals who have abstained from drugs or alcohol for long periods of time. Um, so we, here's a couple of examples, and then we'll just open it up for discussion. External triggers would be people, places, things, or situations. Uh, external triggers are people, places, activities, and objects, and and uh, and thoughts or cravings associated with substance use. Um, internal triggers would be things like depression, grief, or self-loathing. So it would seem to me that life then would would be filled <laughs> with triggers, right? <laughs> so how yes. in the world do you're, people? You're, you're doomed. Yeah. Right. I mean, you would think you would be doomed. Um, so how in the world, if, if triggers are activations, if you will, um, are so prevalent, I, I know that a lot of folks, um, that I got emails and comments about on this topic before and recently, um, say, well, saying that things trigger me is just an excuse. Other people would say, well, you have to learn to be able to stay sober, even in the midst of triggers. I would totally agree with that. Um, are they real or are they fictional? Dave, you work in the field. You're a certified alcohol and drug counselor level two. Um, what's the deal with triggers, brother? Yeah, Dave. 
Well, I always go back to a great example was uh, that actually I saw it when I was in treatment. Mm-hmm. It's, this, uh, it's a documentary called The Hijack Brain. Ah. And they basically took a bunch of uh, uh, crack cocaine addicts in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And they scanned their brains when they were, were high. And then when they were sober, they would take them uh, down to these areas uh, where they used to get high and then scan their brain again. And the same part of their brain activated as the, when they were doing the drugs. So you didn't even have to use. They were, they were getting high just from being And in. some of these were after a long period of abstinence, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So it's, I mean, there's science behind it. But like you said, the, the idea is that you you figure out what those triggers might be or those activating events, I guess is a new word of the day. Right. Um, and try to make adjustments. Because I know for myself, I mean, I, it was a 24-7 deal. So, I mean, everything was a, it could potentially be a trigger yeah. if I looked at it that way. So when I finally got sober, it was about I had to utilize the, the the option of the only thing you have to change is everything. And that was basically doing the opposite of what I was doing before mm-hmm. um, to help train myself in any of those situations. Plus, you know, other other things that happened in my life. But if I'm, you know, if I'm drinking or using 24-7, then pretty much everything that I'm doing, every place I'm going... Is associated with Whether that. I go out or I stay in or, you know, sure. whatever. Yeah. Sure. I, see a, I see a pen, you know, it can be a, a trigger for me if I let it. I mean, I think about it, to be honest. If I see a... I mean, especially if I see someone that has a pen that they took the in, innards out of, <laughs> right? Right. Or even the end of it off. Right. I mean, it's like... My brain goes back Maybe to... Maybe use it as a straw or something. Yeah, use it yeah. you know, snorting yeah. mouth or... Right. And so it's just... It, I use it now as a, a to remind me of what it was like and not don't want to go back there. So in, in your... In, in, in your travels as somebody who's worked in this field, particularly as a certified and licensed drug and alcohol counselor, is... Is it common, in your opinion and your experience, to see triggers more prevalent in people that are narcotic addicts than it is in alcoholics? I think it just depends on the person. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about pure alcoholics, not... Pretty equal. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, alcohol, narcotics, is a, it's a little harder to, you know, I mean, you can get triggered by, you know, places and people mm-hmm. you know, and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, alcohol is everywhere. You know, it's on TV. It's, you know, it's movies. It's on, you know, billboards and social media and is accepted because it's legalized. Okay. So I'm not sure. Interesting. Yeah. What the numbers are, it's right. There isn't really any, like, I don't, in my experience, I, I, I can't say that there's any number one side or the other. Sure. Where there's more triggers. Sure. It just depends on the person and where they're at and what their life has been like. Right. Right. And then if they get, you know, if they stay in that life, you know, yeah. how some, some people will, will go to treatment and they'll go right back to the same environment that they were living in before. It, it, it's interesting because within our uh, 12-step support meetings, what we'll hear a lot is, oh, that's just a bunch of psychobabble, and all you got to do is read this book and follow these steps, and you'll be able to do anything, go anywhere. In fact, in one part of um, the literature in Alcoholics Anonymous, it says you could even go to old-fashioned whoopee parties. My question about that would be if you were in fit spiritual condition, why would you want to go to an old fashioned whoopee party anyway? Um, But if you find yourself, I do think that you have to come to a point that if you find yourself in a situation, those things aren't triggering you to use anymore. Um, I mean, I know I, today I can go to a wedding where they're serving alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I don't have the obsession to pick up a drink. And that is for a number of reasons. Obviously, bottom line is God's done for me what I could not do for myself. But it was a process 
that took place as a result of applying and implementing the 12 steps in my life, having uh, a spiritual awakening as a result of those steps, and then developing this relationship with a power greater than myself. And then because of that, I I can go places where I didn't think I would be able to or before that, that might have triggered me. Um, one of the things that used to it, it, something would happen inside of me. I would start feeling sick inside was the color orange. Um, if I saw a little piece of paper that was orange or a piece of plastic that was orange on the ground. Now, why? Because syringes have an orange cap, wow. most of them. And for a long time, uh, I'd say my first three years of being clean from intravenous drug use, I would see that. Or, like if I went to a public bathroom, there was a piece of paper that was orange because I would use in public bathrooms and I associated that. I mean, I would start to sweat. I got to tell you, I didn't feel like using. I felt like throwing up. You know what I mean? Yep. It was weird. And I, I never could figure it out and th- until I started doing a little bit of research and finding out what was happening in my brain. Right. And thank God that doesn't happen to me anymore. Yeah, but you were, you were were you working a program at the time, or were you you know? Yeah, I was. Well, that that I think is is where the difference is, is because when we get in those situations and we can identify them, right? And we go, we do something to get out of that situation, right? Same with the wedding. I bet I bet you drive yourself so that if things were to get sideways, you bet, or you had a thought, you can you can get in your car and leave, and and I intuitively do those things now. I just right. they're just automatic. I don't jump in the car with a bunch of the old drinking buddies and go to a wedding. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, other, you know, whatever, uh, you know, religions and, and whether or not you even go to a program, you know, you're in a, in a AA or whatever program, sure. you can still do the same thing. You just got to train yourself not to, you know, to do something different. Right. To ask for help. Because you got to live life, right? You got to be able to go down right. the vegetable aisle in your grocery store, and just because the beer is across from the vegetables, at some point you got to learn to be able to go get your veggies. Well, you know, you don't even have to leave your house anymore. Well, that's true. You can get delivery. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, so there's like, well, you can. Use, I'll never go out of the house because I don't have. I don't have to get triggered. But you can have. You can have. Uh, you can have dope delivered to your house now. You know, they have That's these marijuana the delivery marijuana services. Delivery services yeah. I mean, so there's like all this, you don't even have to leave your house. So it's, you just have to figure out how to live life on life's terms and, and work through those struggles. Marv, what do you think about all this nonsense? You think uh, the triggers are real or? I was afraid you were going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess what I thought about, I, I don't really have a lot, um, is there's more to triggers than just what you guys have been talking about. Sure. And what I mean by that is what you guys have been talking about, and it's a reality, Yeah, is the idea that there's some event, circumstance, situation that causes somebody to go out and use or drink. But I think there's other kinds of triggers, too, that... Um, cause emotional problems that eventually could cause somebody to go drink or use. If not dealt with, you mean? If not dealt with? Yeah, and I think that's why they talk about the patience of of alcoholics, or Mm. uh, the disease, I mean. I see. It's sitting there waiting, you know. Oh, yeah. And a lot, I've been triggered by certain things that... uh, I was thinking about it. it was more like a nuance, not not a distinct. I couldn't put my finger on it, mm. and um, I can see I haven't done it where I could go drink, but there would be a series of going down this tricky trail mm. before I would get to the drink. So, I. I don't know how to explain it any other yeah. way. I don't even know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, I think I think it does. I think it does. Um, so it, from it, a spiritual point of view, uh, now I'm sorry to interrupt no, you, but from a spiritual point of view, 
um, if you look in the bigger book, um, how many times does it talk? Uh, I'm kind of relating triggers is to temptation. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. where's where's our faith at mm-hmm. when we have these things happen to us? Right. And and and. and the good book also talks about um, there is no temptation that is unusual and that God gives us a way out. You know, and, right. and I've, I've been in situations where there was a temptation and I knew that the only way out was to call on God because there was no way I was going to escape it on my own power. And sometimes I wouldn't escape it. And uh, it was usually because I didn't call on this power that's greater than myself. I, I just I tried it on my own, on my own power. I'm just gonna not do this thing. I'm I'm not gonna eat that second hamburger. Nope, not me. Not oh yum. <laughs> and, and it didn't work. You know, uh, one of the things that I think is uh, is a fascinating science is also. Uh, you know how we talk about we don't remove our character defects, we ask God to remove them? There's a good reason for that. The more we focus on the character defect, the more we focus on the defect. And that's in our front of our mind all the time. And so just trying to do better on our own power doesn't work. We usually fail. And one of the reasons is there's a brain science behind that that says, well, that's what you're thinking of constantly. So why wouldn't you? Right, they called negative reinforcement. Yeah, and we talked about that yeah. on one of your shows. Right. Yeah. Then I'm would, never going to do that again. Yeah. I'm never going to be like that person. And then there you are. And there you are. Right. Doing the same exact thing. Right. Right. What do you think about all this stuff, Denver? I like just sitting and listening sometimes. Uh, everything that you guys are talking about right here is a yes mm. to me. You know, uh, I don't like the word trigger. I just don't. <laughs> but I'm. I do know that there are circumstances and situations that have influenced me to uh, pick up a bottle. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't care what you call it. You can call it trigger or activation. A- activation. It right. do- it doesn't matter. There are things that's going to come along in life. So uh, I'm learning that. Uh, to to really not focusing on something really does get me into trouble. Right. You know, when I start dwelling on something, that's liable to send me sideways real fast. Yeah. So I need to keep myself settled down. Uh, Thank God there is a higher power that I can turn to on a regular basis, because I do. And... uh, I was coming over here, and, and it seemed like I hit every yellow light. Uh, that could be a trigger, I suppose, because I was kind of feeling myself getting uh, antsy about hitting. Dang it, I hit every yellow light. <laughs> but I can't blame that on me wanting to pick up a bottle anymore. Right. You know, Then, I, it, I, then it becomes an excuse, right? It, it, it really become... just is an excuse to me. So right. when I say I don't like the word triggers, I, I feel like for me, and I don't want to offend nobody, but for me, it is an excuse. Sure. I, I, if I, I'm already premeditating this drink. I need an excuse. Well, that ain't hard to find in today's world. That's a fact for me. Right. It's not hard to find. It's not hard. And, and, and addicts and alcoholics will, before they ever put a substance in their body, will predetermine what they're going to blame it on. Already headed down that path. Yes. Yeah. It may be her I'm blaming. It may be it. It may be the environment. It may be them. It may be what I call a trigger. Well, I'll just blame that. You know, I mean, I've got to go to Portland for this business meeting, and I used to use in Portland. Oh, my gosh, what do I do? Right? And so then at the end of the day, well, I had to go to Portland, and it triggered me. And I loved what Dave said about the pin. We spent so many years, or uh, this group, using, you right. know, and there, it doesn't take anything for me to laugh and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. And you know what? It's not telling war stories. It's just in the back of your head. We're programmed that way from years and years and years. Sure. And when you see it, you, you know, you, you just kind of, I'm learning to laugh at it, go, whoa, 
<laughs> but it's still there. Yeah. It's always going to be there, I'm afraid. Yeah. But I don't act on it. It's like what Marv said about your, you know, the patience of your addiction. Like, we, we joke about it. It's your your addiction is out there doing push-ups. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the same thing. It's like, well, how do, how do you respond uh, when you see a, like a pen? We're using the, that as an example. The popping of the top of a pop can will turn your head. <laughs> right. And it's like... I have to think about like that. I use that as like this is you know uh, God's way of reminding me to uh, remember where I came from and how easily it, it can go back there if I if I choose to. This speaks a lot to the maintenance of our spiritual condition. True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. It, it really does. So. Um. So we're we're going through a course right now out at the Adult and Teen Challenge uh, Center called the Conquer Series, which um, is specifically talking about uh, sexual brokenness. And and we know within addicts and alcoholics, uh, many times there's sexual trauma that's been experienced. And one, one of the things they talk uh, a lot about in the DVD series is um, what what are you filling your head with? And so if you're filling your head with always trying harder or I, I just can't get over this, um, then you're not going to. Um, you know, it's kind of like we kind of spoke on that the other day, Dave, about, you know, kind of, you know, I, well, I'm sick, 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 right? I'm always going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. I'm always going to Negative you know, reinforcement. Right, right, right. right. Um, I mean, there's something to you can't fix what you don't acknowledge. But then the whole point, like in the 12 Steps, the whole point is to move on from there, not to stay there. And so what they suggest is you fill your head with things that combat that in in the sense because it's a biblical course. Uh, this would be scriptural references that combat those things that that speak to you as being, you know, uh, somebody that God loves and somebody that is worthy of his love and because of what he's done for you. And, and you're filling your head with with scripture and i mean if you if you're not a person of faith if you fill your head with with literature that is positive reinforcement and and that kind of thing if that is what you're cleaning your brain with then your brain's more liable to go to that stuff one of the things i do appreciate about some big book thumpers is that some of them have got that thing memorized and they they're able at a moment's notice to pick something out of that when they feel triggered or something comes up and that's what they focus on instead of, Oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. You, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, so I think there's something to be said about, uh, uh, because it is traumatic, these things that we've gone through in our lives. Uh, and there are going to, there's always going to be activated stuff. There's always going to be triggers. I mean, I remember driving down the freeway and, and getting certain smells I don't know if it was psychological. I don't know if I was really getting a whiff of maybe a a meth house down the road. I don't know if it was real, but it was real to me. And there was a time that just made my head spin. Now something like that happens. It's not it it's just it I recognize it, but it's not something that I'm in battle over for my sobriety. And I think a lot of that has to do with leaning on a power that can do for me what I can't do myself, but then doing my part and staying plugged in and in the middle of the herd and doing the work. Um, I think if we just become abstinent and that's all we ever do, then when these things, call them triggers, if you will, show up, we're probably going to be, well, we'll be defenseless because all we've done is been abstinence. We, we've changed our behavior, but our heart hasn't changed. And I think therein lies the key. That's where they come up with that dry drunk sure. term, right? Sure. I, I, had a, uh, I had a friend that uh, after a year, his wife told him, you know what? You should either start <laughs> drinking or yeah. go back to treatment. <laughs> Do something Because uh, she said she could deal with him. It was easier to get along with when he was drinking. So he went back to treatment and he got him got himself, you know, kind of filled in the other pieces. Right. 
I just thought that the story was funny. I always remember that him yeah. telling me that story. He yeah. he was actually my one of my aftercare counselors. Oh, is that right? And then we became friends later on yeah. down the road. Yeah. So what triggers you, Marv, to do the next right thing? Um, you know, I was uh talking about this in a roundabout way at a meeting the other day. It's like uh and I don't know might sound kind of silly, but okay. So in my spiritual life, <clears throat> there's a couple of things. And for our purposes here, mm-hmm. I'll talk about the third step. It seems like to me that once I, in a, a serious third step, not just, oh yeah, you know. Right. Um, it seems to me that when I start to, kind of go off on these little never-never-land trips. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a trigger or a nuance. Mm-hmm. Or like you were taught to me what you were talking about is a nuance. It, it's just kind of this thing that happens. You're sort of kind of aware of it. Yeah. and it, But for me, it takes me some time to figure out that that's what's going on. But anyway, my point is this. Once I did a third step, <clears throat> it seems like that when I start to go off the beam uh, in what I would consider maybe a radical way, yeah, that God gets a hold of me and pulls me back. Ah. Because I can't seem to stay out there that long. It's like, come here, you know, grabs me right. by the shirt collar and, what are you doing, you know, and... and uh, it just, thank goodness, right? Well, yeah, yeah, you know. And I sit amazed at times of how long I've been sober and the stuff that life has dealt out. How did I do that? Well, it's because God grabbed me by the shoulder and pulled and said, "Hey, mm. I'm right here. What do you think about this?" So, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> hello. So you know, it, however, that's kind of what I yeah. Denver, what triggers you to to do the next right thing? <laughs> uh, results. Uh, if I do the right thing, everything flows smoothly, or uh, smoothlier. Smoothlier. It it that's sweet home. It just everything is better, you know. Uh, my walk with Christ it started out. I wanted to get sober, and I heard this thing about higher power, you know. So I come there, mm-hmm. and then as I've been walking here, we we and and it's kind of like with the law too, you know. You get forced into getting sober, mm-hmm. and then you get a little taste of of the goodness of that, and then you begin to want it, you know. Uh. So it makes the journey easier because you're doing it because you want to, not because you have to. Sure. So I, uh, that keeps me going, knowing that it gets better. Mm-hmm. It, it does. Mm-hmm. So why not keep going if it's going to get better? Right. There's struggles all the way through it. There's but it takes what it takes to get to that point where you actually realize that and believe it, right? Y- yeah. 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 That's a rough spot. And, and I believe time is the one that works in our favor on that. Mm. You know, you say everything, it's... It's always waiting. It is always waiting. But time, doing the good next step yeah. you know, in life, you're going, that was that was hard, but I'm here. And you see something <clears throat> brighter at the end of it. Yeah. So I keep going because it gets better. So what do you think, what do you think about um, people that will uh, have loved ones that are maybe, maybe they're alcoholic and they've come home from treatment? And mom and dad decide to take all the liquor out of the house. They're going to dump all the liquor. They don't have a problem with alcohol. They can have a drink now and then. I've got my own views on that. But nevertheless, they can do that. And they dump all the booze out to protect their son or daughter. Because they're afraid that's a trigger. We, the movie Sober. With, was it Michael Keaton? I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His sponsor goes into his house and dumps out all the booze. Well, that guy would have drank it if it was there. So, just saying. Really? (laughs) 
So, I mean, if Michael would, if the guy would have came home from treatment, <clears throat> right, he would have drank it, right. It was just the character in in, 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 the, in the movie up front, yeah, sure. Later on, maybe not. But but, but do you, do you think it's do you think it's helpful to remove the obstacles out of a person's way, or do you think we just need to leave leave those things be? What do you think about that? Oh, fresh, yeah, get them out of the way. Depends on you know how yeah. long how long fresh is, right? Yeah, is it twenty eight days or is it twelve months? Yeah, I mean, but at first. It's probably a good idea not to have, you know, it sitting in the fridge going as a reminder not to drink. That's a macrock right there. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I <laughs> was drinking the, it. I had one of those guys. I got a Corona in the back of their fridge yeah. to remind me not to drink it. That's not a good idea. It never reminded me not to drink it. No. But <laughs> right. after a while, you're going to have to go down the vegetable aisle. So you're going yeah. you're you're, to have you're to You're going to come face to face. Yeah. With your foe, so to speak. Um, what do you think, Marv? What, should we move these obstacles out of people's way, or? Yeah. Actually, I think you should, especially in a private home or where they're going to be sleeping and eating, and yeah, and. Uh, but then there's another part of me that says that uh, that's a control issue. If I go in and dump all that out, then I'm trying to control the situation. It might be you have issues. Not, yeah. It's not really about them, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, for the most part, um, you know, and it's funny. I never got bothered um, about I played music in taverns. Sure. And, and different places, people drinking all over and uh, the only time I can tell you I did get bothered was out to dinner mm. at the Elks Lodge in Lebanon. And people all around me drinking beer. Yeah. I had about five years of sobriety at the time. Right. And, man, I started getting on edge. I was I was squirrely. And what the world, I could smell that beer. The guy I was with was not an alcoholic. And I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I got this nice-looking steak sitting in front of me. And finally, I just turned to my buddy and I said, Hey, Max. I said, uh, I really want a drink. Ah. And he gave me a funny look. Yeah. You know? And But when, as soon as I did that, as soon as I could acknowledge that out loud, Yeah. Went away. The power of it went away. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I've always told my clients that, you know, we can't expect everyone else to change their lives because of us. True so enough. So it has to be like the the person that if they're going to live with somebody <clears throat> or, you know, um, one of your friends or whatever, if you live alone, uh, maybe go over your house like in the movie with with Michael Keaton um, because, it, you know, that just causes more problems. If we go live with the family members or something, and all of a sudden we expect them to like change everything that they do. Or we go home and we expect all of our family to like change everything that they do uh, just for us. It's like be- being a reformed smoker. The second, the second day you've quit smoking, you're telling everybody else. <laughs> right, right. The, yeah, the old pink cloud, right? You get out of treatment and you're like right, telling everybody right. else how to do it and what to do and what not to do. I do know this, though. And, and, and we I don't know any of those, do we? <laughs> I, I, nah. I'll apply this to, to, to eating habits. If, if there is certain foods that I need to not eat, if they're not in my cupboard, I, they're not there for me to eat. They're just, they just aren't. You know, um, so I don't know. I've I've got somebody who's very close to me that has just quit smoking, and she said that she's thinking about buying a pack of cigarettes to remind her not to smoke. And I'm like, really? <laughs> if I was my first week of not smoking, and I kept a pack of cigarettes in my pocket, <laughs> I don't know. That's how I quit chewing, man. I carried around a tin in my pocket. Did you really? And if I didn't Full? have it with me, I'd like have a panic attack. And I'd have to go buy another tin, and I'd take a dip, and then I'd be like, what the hell am I doing? You know, and then, and then it would, it would, I'd be fine, right? Until the next time I, I happened to, like, forget to put it in my pocket. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so pretty soon I had, you know, I had one everywhere. So I'd have to worry about it. But uh, after a while, I just forgot. I just stopped putting it in my pocket. And I don't, I couldn't tell you when it was or, you know, the date or anything like that or circumstances why that things <laughs> changed. But that that's what worked for me. Yeah. Interesting <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Recovery such a crazy journey. Isn't it? Crazy journey. Now I wouldn't do that with like math. I wouldn't like keep a bag of math in my pocket and say not for long. Yeah, not for long. Oh my god, I have power over my triggers, so I carry a bag of meth in my pocket. Yeah. I tried to do that once after a period of sobriety. I'm like, eh, I could probably do some meth again. Yeah, yeah it was not. Yeah. Well, I kept doing this thing, but okay. Took my computer apart. One day, I thought I told myself one day I can take a bag of dope. And if I can get over to the toilet and dump the whole thing in the toilet, I'll know I'm serious about my recovery. So I kept buying that bag of dope, but I never quite made it never made to it. the toilet. <laughs> it, it just didn't seem to work. Hey, if you ever, Maybe the bag, if you ever think the about contents. doing that again, just give me the money. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. I'll donate oh, it to Take 12 Radio. Um, here, here's something that, that is interesting, and then we'll uh, do our closing song. But... Um, Brain science is is just fascinating to me, and one of the things that we know that 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 can happen mm. is we can actually develop new DNA in, in our structure of our brain um, by input by, by things that we you know thought processes, and um, we know that we can't repair dead brain cells, but we can rebuild new pathways, neural pathways, yeah. Yep. And and the DNA can actually change and some of the thought patterns and so forth. And then that DNA we can actually pass on to our children and then they have that. And we can actually – I mean I'm beyond childbearing years. But um, if you're young and you want to pass some good stuff on to your kids, you can actually start by changing the way you think now. Uh, about different things it, it actually they've, they've proven that this can be passed on so um you know that's why i say what triggers you to do the next right thing so maybe you shouldn't focus so much on what triggers us to go off the rails but what's the triggers that we can put in our lives to keep us on target we just do it yeah right just do the next right thing whatever yeah. it is yeah i know it changed early in my recovery that's what i was that was kind of my mantra and you know uh, if you tell the truth, you don't have anything to remember. Right. And so I I was tested on that like the first two weeks I got out of treatment. And so I, I did the next right thing, you know, and the, the outcome was good and I felt good about myself and the situation. Uh, I just kept doing it. It's like, why would I stop mm. doing something that's working? You know? mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's usually what I, why people end up relapsing because they stop doing what's, what's working for sure. them. Sure. Sure. You bet. Um. What was I going to tell you? I can't remember now. I lost my train of thought. Well, the committee. We referred to the committee in our heads. Um, the things we tell ourselves. Those voices we hear. Uh, recovery comedian Mark Lundholm says there's never any any less than three voices in his head. Um, the healthy voice, the recovery voice, and the troll-like voice that wants him to fail and all that kind of thing. Well, our closing song is by Michael Brown, and it's entitled The Committee. I think you guys will enjoy this. Listen, um, there are things in your life that are going to be worldly clamors, the big book calls them, that are going to beg for your attention. And some of them will pull you off the rails if you let them. Through the application and implementation of the 12-step process, a lot of people have succeeded. A lot of people have. And uh, I just encourage you that uh, whatever you're doing, make yourself accountable to somebody. Um, Don't use triggers as an excuse. Um, They can be very real. They are very real. But they don't have to be the reason that you fall off the rails. So don't listen to the committee too much. Here's Michael Brown with his song, The Committee.
members have gathered and the seats are assigned. The committee is meeting right here in my mind. One screams for vengeance, one cries out in pain. One sits there quietly repeating your name. One says you love me. One reminds me you're gone. There's no escaping the committee of one. And they all raise a toast to the host who can't make them leave. They're up until dawn, rambling on till I fall asleep. And when I wake, they're waiting in place, and the party is on. Madcap confusion is business as usual for the committee of one. The committee of one. Have gathered and the seats are assigned. The committee is meeting right here in my mind. Once it's there crying, one can't help but laugh. One tells me the future, one drags out the past. One has all the answers One says they're all wrong A three-ring circus The committee of one And they all raise a toast To the host Who can't make them leave They're up until dawn Rambling on Till I fall asleep I awake, they're waiting in place, and the party is on. Madcap confusion is business as usual for the committee of one, the committee of one, the committee of one. Michael Brown with his song, The Committee. Hey, don't forget, uh, you can always email us here at take12radio at comcast.net. That's T-A-K-E, the number 12, radio. And by the way, we are now on iHeartRadio. Just search for us. Search for Take 12 Recovery Radio. It'll pop up. Uh, Also on iTunes, uh, you can download our app on Podomatic. Uh, We are on uh, YouTube. We are on WordPress and Blogger. Uh, Well, just about every platform you can think of, you can find Take 12 Recovery Radio. You can do all that by simply going to Take12Radio.com and clicking on any of those links to make us available for you on the go or in your office or your home or wherever recovery is leading the way in your life. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with the Take 12 Recovery 
Radio family, and we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. She's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty, meow. Yeah, kitty, 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 kitty.